I am really sick of this. We've had those two fat pigs here for a month, and they haven't had a single John. I swear to God, if they don't get somebody within the next day, we are going to cook and eat them. I, that sounds like a delicious... I, oh, here comes somebody right now. Here comes somebody right okay. now. Okay. All right. Check Marty. Hi there, little ladies. Hi. Let me tell you what I'm looking for. I, I figure this is a, an establishment, a red lot district, if you will. Yes, I'm Swan Thulin. This is my sister, Drag Morta. Hello, ugly. How can we help you? What are you looking for, sir? This is what I'm looking for. I don't know if you have what I'm looking for. I've been to a million places. They don't have it. I'm looking for a tall, six-foot woman who is uh, built like a linebacker, wears glasses, and kind of looks like Barb from Stranger Things. Okay? Oh, my God. And... <laughs> And sort of smells like uh, maybe KFC had sex with a, a Carl's Jr., all right? Yes. Then I want a short, greasy, fat Mexican guy, okay, who only wears black t-shirt and jeans and looks like a walking uh, tetherball, okay? Yes. And I want them to come to my room, sit in the bed, shovel Del Taco into their mouths, and oh then... Um, attack people on Instagram. I don't know if that's something you've got here. Why, actually, we have just what you're looking for. Laurie, come in and say hi to the gentleman. Hello? Oh, my, my. You Shut up! Dragula recap show for season four, episode three, titled Weird Wild West. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one cunty western co-host. First, from the Bloody Podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. From Bloody Podcast. Please say hello to the goddess of glitz, glamour, goth, gossip, and gore herself, Miss Lori Roggenkamp. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Uh, you and I are recording much later than usual. They're running oh, yeah. into the dark, under the witching hour, as some might say. Maybe that's the appropriate Shut time to do this show. Yeah. Do you want the. You know, we don't give the show away for free. Anyway. <laughs> so fucking annoying. Actually, we do give away this show for free, and I'll tell you. We do. We do all the time. Yeah. In fact, if you are not subscribed, now there are different places, and I know this was confusing last week because I didn't explain it well. You can listen to the show in multiple places, but we have announcements. Oh. But we have announcements for all those places. One, if you're listening on the Drag Race Recap public feed, I believe, I could be mistaken, I have to check with the powers that be, this is the last week. That Hello Uglies, Hello Uglies will be on the Drag Race Recap public feed. Next week, Rulaska Thoughts will return. Okay? So, if you want to listen to the Hello Uglies public feed, you can do it at one place after this week. And that is at the Hello Uglies podcast, which is available everywhere you get your podcast for free. It drops the same exact moment that it drops here on the Drag Race Recap feed. And you can subscribe there. You can listen at helloughuglies.com. You can do all that right there, okay? Not only that, 
earlier this week, Lori, you and I recorded our very first post-mortem episode, and that's only available on the Hello Uglies public feed. It's there right now. You can go listen to it right now for free. You know, for, un- yeah, yeah for unlike, unlike, unlike Sinorgi, unlike Sinorgi Beaver, we give it away for free, you know? I think that I I've been trying to mull that around in my head, and I think the joke is that she gives it away for free. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but yeah, she she either way has stopped doing it ever since Zavaletta called her out on it. We're talking about Sonorki Beaver, as Mary Cherry called her in the workroom. <laughs> Um, all right, this week the Boulets make a stop at Wild West Ghost Town, and boy, are they hungry. For the main challenge, the Monsters Design original looks blending Western themes with science fiction. In the end, La Zavaleta is named the winner of the challenge, while Saint and Coco Cane are up for extermination. This week, however, all the monsters are for- forced to participate in the challenge and ride a mechanical bull from hell. After all is said and done, Coco Cane is murdered and eaten at the hands of the Boulets, leaving eight queens in the competition. Lori Rocking Camp, uh, name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not. Um, I'm going to say that this week was a little bit of a down episode for me. Oh, really? I, f- I feel like overall, I mean, look, overall, I liked... You know, I think the show is entertaining, and mm. it was, there wasn't a moment where I was like, "Ugh, when is this over?" But I didn't really understand the challenge, and I felt like every everybody I thought was going to definitely be in the bottom was either safer in the top, and then everybody that I thought would was going to win or or was. Cl- like there were a couple people that I I was like oh that person's definitely gonna win, but there are people that I thought oh that person's gonna be in the top they were in the bottom, hmm. so I just felt like I just didn't really have a good and that's a, a personal thing for me. Um, I kind of, I mean I know this sounds kind of uh, dumb, but I I like the challenge, mm-hmm. the extermination challenge, even though I feel like we're. I just got to get over it. We're just never, it's never going to be an actual elimination challenge. Like it's just a thing for them to do. Basically. Yeah. That's what the segment should be called is a thing for them to do. Yeah. I, no, I um, really agree on that part. Um, but I liked it. I thought it was fun and, and funny. Um, and I, I got a big kick out of, there's just something about, uh, you know, having a really heartfelt moment when you're dressed as a cow a pig, that I yeah. just, yeah. that I find hilarious. So there were some like very like heartfelt moments that were done in like makeup, complete makeup. And just, I couldn't help but laugh a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so that I thought, yeah, I mean, I think that they, I think big nod should go to the editors. I think the editors are doing a great job of like finding some really good moments. So, yeah. So it's weird that I actually have an almost opposite experience from you. Uh, really? In, yeah, in that I totally got this challenge. Now, maybe it's because I am a huge fan of old sci-fi uh, and old horror comic books. Okay. And in those comic books, they often blend sci-fi and western. For some reason, western themes 
uh, were really big. I don't, I don't know. If I only am a fan of like a very specific old comic book era. It's very, very short. In fact, it's only five years long. But huh. you would see it in there, this kind of stuff. And so I totally got it. And I think for uh, that reason, I was able to, to discern what did and didn't work. And the judges seemed to resonate with my own opinion as well. So I actually liked the challenge, and I totally understood the challenge. I could see if someone wasn't familiar with it, why they wouldn't understand totally, but I totally understand why they, people were in the top, why certain people were in the bottom. If I'm being honest with you, though, if I'm being honest, and maybe we do agree more than we think, there were some people who were in the top that I was like, I don't know why they're in the top. Well, there, it's twofold. It's one where I was just like, is this a futuristic thing? Is this a alien thing? Is this a mutation thing? Like, it, there were there was a lot there. But then also you had, like... Um, you know, Mary Terry, who just essentially put charcoal on her face and everybody's like, Oh, we've, you know, yeah. we finally see the real you. And then yeah. you have Hoso, Hoso, who'd like freaking had like a bomb ass cost, like outfit and she's safe. And it's just like, how are Mary Terry and Hosa the same in the same level? Like that doesn't make sense. You and I agree and disagree on Hoso. Uh, I feel she got, well, we're, we're talking about this too early. We're going to get to it. Um, okay. And we and we can talk in detail about that. Um, for yeah, I think for me, I just pretty I, what I didn't like about this episode. I actually did not like the extermination challenge. I thought it went too long, and there was no way. In fact, if anything, it hid because you actually this is one that could have really determined something. Like if you would have pr- said, you know, the person with the shortest time, in addition to their uh, scores on the run, on the floor show. With the lowest scores and the long lo, lowest time on the mechanical bull mm-hmm. is the one that's going to go home. And I, I have no idea how long each one was on the mechanical bull because they kept cutting in between. So you can't yeah, tell. But they, I don't think I, – I legitimately don't think in the history of extermination challenges on the show that they have ever used the extermination challenge to decide who goes home. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. So I think that – I think that – Try, and look, I mean, we could argue that. I mean, we could argue the logistics of having that buzzer go off and have saying that they need to come to the stage when we all clearly know that they are going to have more time to get ready. I mean, there are there are so many things about the show that it's just mm-hmm. like this is just how it's going to be. This is what they want. Yeah. So it's like I can either sit back and enjoy the ride, or I, I mean, who knows? Next week I could be bitching about it. Yeah. Um. But. I just this this time I was just like, look, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. I just I thought the edit of Saint in the cow outfit just clinging to life on that bull was the was probably one of the funniest things of the episode. So, yeah, Um, I liked it. All right. Very good. All right. For the cold open, the boulets step out of a carriage into an old timey Western town. They face off in a quick draw to decide who will provide dinner. The ensuing shootout leaves Israel shot and Drakmorda on the hunt for something to eat. Let's talk about this cold or open, Laurie. Did you have any big thoughts on it? I have a... So here's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so they shoot Israel, right? Yeah. What do you want to bet that they were like, Israel, now you get on the ground. And he's like, never, not once am I going to lay down on the dirt. And they were just like, all right, well, then just slump over. Like. <laughs> I wonder if they, at any point, were like, all right, get on the ground. And he's just like, nope, 
<laughs> well, actually, that would have you're right because that would have made more sense. Because how do you have someone slump over dead and then later he's just tending his wound? Yeah, it was sort of bizarre. Um, also, it didn't look at all like Drac would have shot Israel, but whatever. I Not think Drac, that's why Swan. they were trying to Swan would have shot Israel. Yeah, I but think that's, that's that was like they were trying to be funny with that. Yeah. Like they both clearly shot at each other, but then the bullet hits Israel. I will say what was very clever, I'm going to give them some props. What was very, very clever, and I picked up on the second watch, is they tell you who goes home in that opening sketch. Yeah. And I thought that was very, very clever because you don't think of it. You just think that they're just saying, because what happens people don't remember is Swan convinces Drac to go hunting for some food. And so Drac's like, oh, okay. And then she turns around and she's walking in her heels and she goes, here, piggy, piggy, piggy. And you're like, on the first viewing, you just think it's just a saying she's saying. But now you realize on the second viewing, oh, she's literally telling you the pig goes home. And by the yeah. way, Glory, for the record, just so you don't get confused, she wasn't talking about no, singing sensation not, Kelly Clarkson. Not, no. She was talking about Coco cocaine. There's no way that she would have been talking about Kelly Clarkson. Because Kelly Clarkson is a national treasure and a daytime TV starlet. So there's no way. That she they will be talking about Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson is a wonderful human being who deserves our love and admiration. So I was talking to a friend about this today, and I was talking about um, a friend. It was my boyfriend, actually. Now I think about it. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, your boyfriend is your friend. True, he's my so. friend who was a boy. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I was talking to Aiden about this, and I was saying that um, you know what's different about this season as opposed to other seasons, and I and I don't know how I feel about it yet. Is before we were getting very artistic and like carefully planned out and rendered cold opens that left doors open. I mean, so the big disappointment from season three was we were all trying to piece together how those cold opens tied in with each other. And the, the, the truth was they didn't, you know? Yeah. But they yeah. were definitely very clear uh, horror film homages. This time, they're not as well thought out, but they, in a way they are because they tie into each theme. Yeah. So, they tie into each team and they also connect who gets murdered yes. apparently that's the big thing is who gets murdered because if you if we i don't think we even mentioned the first episode but they get chased by people in masks yeah and then uh so i mean so that's tying into the woman in the in the first one in the, in the walking into the field because yes. they're chasing so every episode they've tied into they've tied into how they get murdered later which you know, I think is shows that they're actually thinking about a theme, but I do, I agree. I, I kind of miss the sort of, you know, devil may care attitude towards the opening where they just were like, we're going to do a, a homage to mommy dearest, but it's not really going to make a lot of sense. And we're just going to say quotes for mommy dearest. Yeah. Um, all right, here we go. After Astrid's elimination, the queens are back in the boudoir and accuse Mary of sucking the air out of the room as they speculate who should return. Most of the girls want to see Astrid eliminated because she's big competition. Hoso attempts to defend her crush, but all questions are answered when Bitter Betty walks back into the boudoir. Everyone runs to give Betty a hug except for Hoso, who stays behind and mopes. 
Betty discusses her newfound fire and vows to stay in the competition. I'm sorry, slay the competition before the contestants are summoned to the main stage. On the main stage, the contestants learn this week's main challenge. They will create an original look based on a comic book inspired weird, wild, and west theme. The look should feature western and science fiction elements blended together. Lori, give me all your thoughts. There's a lot to discuss here in the boudoir after. The next day after the previous episode. What are your thoughts here? So, um, I'm glad that people called it out about Mary Cherry. Several times they called it out about Mary Cherry kind of being the, the needing to have everybody uh, be attentive to her. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, I think it's funny that Mary, Mary Cherry was almost like bragging when Bitter Betty comes back. That like, oh, I thought Asher would be my biggest competition, but she's gone or something like that. And she just sort of laughs like, and I'm like, you've you've been safe twice now. You've never won, uh, even been in the running to win a a competition. That's that's a very frustrating thing about Mary is there's no one more amused with herself than Mary Cherry. Yes. Mary Cherry is makes, no one makes Mary Cherry laugh harder than Mary Cherry. Which I gotta be honest with you though, we'll get to it later, but there's a moment where I thought, Oh my god, I'm the Mary Cherry of <gasps> Afterthought Media. Lori, no. <clears throat> I had the same thought where I was like, Oh my god, I'm Mary Cherry. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? No, yours loves Avaletta, I'm Mary Cherry. <laughs> That's true. You know what this reminds me of is I remember reading an article about um sociopaths right and um uh and i was reading the article i was like oh my god this might be me this might be me right i can't remember what the article was specifically about it was very interesting but at the end the person said uh now many of you may be reading this and thinking you're a sociopath but the very fact that you think you might be a sociopath by reading this you're not a sociopath. Because he said a sociopath would either not recognize it or get very angry and like like throw away the article, like stop reading it. Like they would they would never it would be one of those two things. It wouldn't be like, oh, is it me? They'd have the, the self-reflection. And I'm wondering with the Mary Cherry stuff, if it's the same thing, if just by the very nature that we're thinking we're Mary Cherry, that maybe we're not Mary Cherry. <laughs> Or is that what Mary Cherry would say to herself? That could be what Mary Cherry says to herself. Uh, yeah. No, I, I took a quiz one time. I won't get into the legit because it's like kind of a long question. But there's like a, a book about uh, how to how, like a sociopath next door. And it's how to figure out if you're a sociopath. And they give you like all these like really long winded questions that that require like very succinct answers. So, mm-hmm. of course, I did terrible at it. Mm-hmm. But um the I couldn't give I couldn't give answers because I was always like the questions make no sense, the questions make no sense, and yeah. so I was like, oh, I must be a sociopath because I can't answer these questions. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, um, yeah, no, I, I just, <laughs> I just think it's so funny that um, that she had that attitude, and I just wanted to be like, there's just no, no like, uh, understanding of her where she's at you know mm-hmm. there, there's no like at any point is like oh i've only been safe this entire time 
she's just still like, oh yeah, and my my competition's gone, so now I'm definitely gonna win. And it's like you haven't won once. I will say when she walked into the boudoir, I'm like, uh, speaking of being Mary Cherry, she was wearing my exact uniform. She was wearing a black t-shirt and jeans. And I was like, oh, God, Mary Cherry's dressed like me. I'm Mary Cherry. Um, yeah. By and the a way, blue okay. sweater. Yeah. So uh, can I real quick, can I say that Bitter Betty looked freaking hot with no makeup on? Oh, really? I thought she looked gorgeous. I love a woman with no... I love no makeup. I can tell. That's So, uh, th- so they, start, they start to talk to Hoso about Astrid's possible elimination at that point. And they're talking about her being heartbroken. Well, they've only been together for like, two days. Yeah, well, but, you know, I, I think I can kind of see where she's coming from. Because you just sort of got to meet somebody and then mm-hmm. you're getting to know them. And you're in this confined space together, so you have a you have a chance to really like explore whatever possibilities are out there. Mm-hmm. And then she gets eliminated from the competition, so I guess maybe they're not able to see each other as much. So I can kind of see that. Plus, you know, if you care about somebody, you would want them to continue. But in the in the long run, anyways, she would have to. They would either be going against each other, or at some point, one of them would go home. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's going to be a tie, you know, or anything. So. Another thing I wanted to talk about was okay. Let's remind everybody what Mary Cherry wore, and I'm glad the contestants agreed with me because I said this last week, and it was totally at odds with the judges. I thought Mary Cherry's outfit was horrible. It didn't fit the theme. She totally made up what that theme was. But she was just a mermaid. I don't know what that had to do with the theme at all, right? And the contestants recognized it as well. And so they all felt that she deserved to be in the bottom. But yet they're trying to congratulate Saint. And Saint just goes like, oh, yep, thanks for, you know, I win. And Mary's like, calm down. You need to calm down. And I'm like, what's wrong with her? She can't let other people. There's a weird. No. You know, I don't want to venture. You know, I'm not African-American, Lori. I don't know if you know that. I'm not black. And I don't want to venture into any kind of speculation. I know in 2006 you would have. But what I would say I is, would not have ever in my life would I have done that. I want to say that um, there seems to be some sort of jealousy or weird relationship that she has with the two other black girls. And I don't know if it's because they're black and pretty and thin or whatnot. But she seems to have a very sort of like abrasive relationship with them. Where she wants to be liked by them, but then they can also do no right by her. It's very, very strange. I feel like there's a lot of envy there on Mary Cherry's part. Well, I think it's. I think she's like that with everybody. If True. I if, if I can say like, because I think she needs to be she needs to be sort of like the the person to look at. She needs to be the one that everybody looks up to and sees, and and then she can sort of like let them be the ones that she. And I think with saint and coco they have their own connection Mm -hmm. and so i think she sort of feels left out on like a couple of different levels and so i think you know there's a part at the end where i think she like (laughs) she's just sort of like you could just tell she's just like you know ham fisting her way into uh, a thing and it's just like yeah you know I get what you're going for but it's not your time mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not your moment so I think that um, 
you know, she just has, she has to be every, it's like La Zavaleta, you know, like the, the both of them, they have to be the center of attention. They cannot shot. And even, you know what, to Mary Cherry's credit, I will say this, unlike La Zavaleta, to Mary Cherry's credit, Mary Cherry is, did say at one point that you have to be on when the camera's on. She's like, Mm -hmm. you have to be on. So, uh, all right. Um, so let's talk about, so then there's a discussion about Mary Cherry sucking the air out of the room. 100% she does suck the air out of the room, but this, this comes up several times in the episode. Then we discuss Astrid, uh, and, and they start showing clips of Astrid's meltdown from the week before. And one of the things that, and they're trying to speculate what happened there, and, and Dolly says she's never seen anything like that before, and that's her daughter. <clears throat> I think, now this is my theory, Lori, and you can back it up or disagree with me. I feel like Astrid saw how Zavaleta behaved as opposed to formaldehyde and that she mm-hmm. had a meltdown and she lived. And then Astrid said to herself, well, Zavaleta, maybe that's what they're looking for. So I'm going to have a meltdown and I'll survive. But do you agree with that or don't agree with that? I agree. I think that I think to a point, I think that, look, I think that all of these queens are dramatic in their own way, to be honest with you. I just mm-hmm. think that we're starting at such a, we're starting at like, if it's one out of 10, we're starting at a 30 with mm-hmm. La Zavaleta yeah. and Mary Cherry. So they bring the energy up so high. So yeah, I think that, I think that Ashley could have been doing that, but I also think it was a kick in the pants to, um, Ashley to be on the bottom when it was like, she was, she was assuming that she was just going to take this all the way, uh-huh. you know? Nope. And it, I just don't think that she's ever, she just didn't really seem like the type of person that ever really had to, um, like, she just seems like the type of person who sort of cultivated a, a, a culture around her where she's not, she's not kicked out or in the bottom of a lot of things, mm-hmm. unless she wants to be. Um, now what happens is Bitter Betty walks back into the boudoir and you can see, and the camera focuses on it, Hoso does not run up to them and she stays behind and her, she looks sickened. She looks like sick to her stomach. The face she has is that she's so upset that Bitter Betty is the one that survived, not Astrid. Um, and also, I don't know about you, but do you find, I find this kind of offensive a little bit where whenever they talk about Sinorgi, Sonorgi, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. it? Sonorgi, yeah. Sonorgi, Beaver, and Bitter Betty. They never say like, "Oh, we're so glad you're here because your drag is sickening, and and we want to, we're excited to see." They're always like, "We're so glad you're here because what you represent is so important." Yeah, you're, and, you're right. It's kind of a microaggression. <laughs> you're right. It's kind yeah, of like yeah. And so when Hosa was like, "No, I'm glad that you're here because what you represent is is uh." you know, so important and it's really important for the trans community to see you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bitch, she's here because she didn't act like a screaming a- asshole when she got, you know, yeah, she got eliminated. She didn't interrupt Drac Marta when she got, when she was in the bottom. That's why she's here. Well, I don't know. If I so, that you know, part. I still think I still am of the opinion Astrid coming back. Now, um, I like how they're asking bitter Betty about the, um, about the challenge, she's talking about the leeches sucking on her and it hurt and stuff like that. And Zava makes his face like, ugh, I had it so much worse. He's so competitive, Zavaleta. Oh, my God. We might have to do a postmortem on that whole scene where she talks about in the, when she's talking about her costume. 
because that whole scene was just like crazy. Where oh, she talks about her sister dying. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. 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 Um all right. Okay, so then Sigourney says something really weird toward the end of the scene. And it doesn't make any sense. So she says, sometimes life gives you a bag of shit, but you gotta do something with it, or else you end up covered in shit. And I, and I was trying to figure out what that means. Coco, I think, it's Coco, I think, that steps in and goes like, no, bitch, you gotta like, da-da-da-da-da. And so like, didn't, it, I don't think they really pondered it, but I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? I don't even know what she's talking about. I think I think I might be Sigourney Beaver actually of the show because I feel like I start saying things and I'm like I'll get to a point and then I just never do and people just move on mm-hmm. and I think Sigourney Beaver's like that she's like oh I'll get to the end of this I'll figure it out for by free. the end for free uh, in the boudoir Mary Mary laments being safe the last two weeks Hoso wants to know where the whore and filth are in Sigourney's look Sigourney channels designer Terry Muglier. Coco creates a pig hooker look, and uh, Betty plans to portray Robo Dolly Parton. La Zavaleta's look honors their sister, who died of cancer, leaving Zava to take care of her infant. Is it nephew or niece? Nephew. Nephew. Uh, I didn't know when I was writing. Well, I was editing the script. Zach wrote the at, script. Th- at 13. At 13. Um, which that, that brings up, you know, someone even, like, um, oh, I forgot I forgot to pull in the audio for the... For the um, seance um all right so um we got we got a call Lori. oh nice can we talk about coco for a second sure because i had some problems with coco okay this is the second time now that Mm -hmm. she has been like i don't really like being told what to do and i don't really know what to do in this situation and it's like why the fuck did you come on a competition (laughs) show where you have to put in different drag and you're being told what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, I was like, I, I had such high hopes for her. Well, if you think about it, you're giving them the reason to eliminate you. Yeah. You're, you're, she, yeah. She totally gave up. You could tell she gave up. Yeah. And she was just like, and we all know that these queens make it, make their outfits and basically, bring their outfits to the workroom just to do like final touches. Yeah. Like it's all. And so she sat there and she thought, oh, I'll just throw shit at a wall. Episode three. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? Um, okay. Well, you know, what's funny, Lori is I want to talk and we're going to talk later about this, especially in the, after the, um, the judge, the judges panel, what do they call it? The final judgment. But I noticed here in the second viewing that Zava pulls Mary aside to give her like a pep talk, give her some advice. What do you think is this relationship between Zava and Mary? It's very bizarre. I think they, oh, do you think maybe they dated at one point? I don't know, but it's like, get a room almost. Yeah, you're right. There is a weird sort of like... They're battling for attention. They hate each other, and then they're they're super lovey with each other. It's very very strange. I don't understand it, but you can tell everyone in the room's getting sick of it. There was a part at the end of the episode. I don't really rem- <clears throat> excuse me. I don't really remember the pep talk, but there was a part at the end of the episode mm-hmm. where I thought, "Oh my god, this is exactly like being around my parents." Where it's like they're just two people who just they have history so they're still in each other's lives but mm-hmm. there's they make each other so miserable yeah, they just hate exactly each other so much is. yeah 
And so they're just like, they're constantly like, anytime the other person can say something to mean to cut them, they will. And then the other person gets upset and says something mean. And then the other person, you know, and then they make up and then they, you know, and then they're fine. And then the other, and then somebody says, you know, something mean again. And it's just like, Oh my God, it's it. I think Coco hit it on the head in the first episode. She was like, they fight with each other. Then they're, then they're in love with each other. Then they, then they're fight with each other. Then they shoot each other. Then they patch each other up. You know, so yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Now, Lori, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? When we come back, we're going to do the rest of the show. It's hard to think, but we're actually almost done. Strangely, are we going to are we going to talk about La Zavaleta's breakdown now? Or are we going to talk about it in the postmortem? Uh, it's it, it's not here yet. I don't think the I don't think. Um, oh, we do have to. We, like, let's talk about it after the commercial. So we'll come okay. back to it. We'll talk about it. After the commercial. Okay. All right. I, I, you know what? I, it was based on my own notes, and I realized my own notes are actually wrong themselves. All right. All right let's you just should take send a break. an email to yourself. I will. Let's take the break. When we come back, we'll talk in depth about Las Avaletta and what happened there. All right. We'll be back right after this. into it Lori. you're right I, I i messed up on my notes and so i have a lot of notes actually here on this part one of the things i want to point out i want to make some little things so we can just end this segment on zavaleta's breakdown um i again once again so i think they have a very short production schedule you know it's not like drag race um and one of the things that they do, and it's, it's it's very obvious again this episode, is they show they do this thing where they tell the girls, "Oh, pretend you're working on your outfit as if it are not completed outfits." And so, if you watch the girls when they're talking to the camera or answering some sort of question, they're doing nothing to their outfit, or they're doing very very little. So whatever they're doing would have almost no effect, like maybe painting a tiny little corner. Or something, but they're like, or or they're pretending to brush something. It's very, very strange. They want it to seem as if the girls are building their outfits in the boudoir, right? Yes. Um, I'll give you proof right now they're not. If if that were the case, you wouldn't have you know five of the eight girls or six of the eight girls doing like um, brothel women, you know? Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, exactly. Also, I I. I I still kind of stick to my conspiracy theory from last last episode, which is that I think they're I think they're doing these boudoir scenes after the actual show. I think they have them get do the show, and then they ha- think they have them come in the next day and pretend like they're doing the show, they're doing the scene because it just seems so weird to me that they like it just seems like they're all sort of like. I don't know. There's just a, fe- it, I can't explain it. It's just a feeling. It's like QAnon. I can't explain it. It's just a feeling. So I don't it. get that feeling, but I think that I think, you know, it's so funny. Everyone's judging drag race, uh, UK cause on a couple episodes, the girls that do, they did an entire episode in one day, which is usually spread out over two or three days. I'm thinking they were doing these shows in one day. That could be true. You know, I could see that bringing them early in the morning. The looks are completed, 
They do something really quick, and then you know you have all day to get ready, do the floor show, blah blah blah. I think they were doing each episode in one day. Uh, all right. Um, let's talk about Zavaleta's breakdown. So what happened is, and now I do believe it started organically. I have a, I have a lot of weird, complicated thoughts about this. It started organically. She's talking about her look and what, and this look is dedicated to her sister who taught her how to sew and blah 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 blah. And starts talking about the death of her sister from cancer and how at a very young age she needed to kind of uh, toughen up and sort of be, I take it, the man of the family? Or I don't know. I didn't really get there. But yeah. it, it really affected her. And, 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 I, and I feel you have a lot of thoughts about this, Lori. So what are your thoughts about this moment? So I think the thing that really <laughs> that, – that look – Lazabaleta has obviously had a very hard life Mm -hmm. and it's awful that she had to deal with this loss of her sister and had to take care of her nephew at such a young age. That Mm -hmm. is awful. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she, that Lazabaleta rose to the challenge. I mean, clearly if this is true, that shows a huge amount of character on her part. And this could all just be something that she's doing to sort of, garner attention for the show you know mm-hmm. but i do not think even though la Zavaleta has said that the reason why she started crying was because she hasn't let herself process that emotion mm-hmm. i highly doubt i would bet all of my pay for the rest of my life that la Zavaleta does not go a single day without breaking out into full-on tears mm-hmm. like she probably sobs every day Mm-hmm. And does the same speech every day, which is, I'm a bitch because life has made me a bitch. Mm-hmm. That she says that so many times that it's like, you got that tattooed on your body somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, there's for sure. I just, I, I just thought it was such a, it was such a, a attention grabber. And then like, she was mad at people for, being sympathetic and empathetic for mm-hmm. her she was mad at them like she's like i don't i don't want people i don't like when people come up to me and say oh i'm sorry you know it's like that's just how it is and move on and it's like so she's judging them for feeling emotion for her but she's allowed to feel emotion. it's like she's such a freaking hypocrite i think look i said this in the first episode or maybe i said this on the um post-mortem of the first episode but Zavaleta is clearly a very damaged human being. Now, one of the things I saw on this episode was something that I've seen before. And I don't know if it's, you know, something that's particular to Mexican men. But it's definitely... What's funny is because she is a gender non-conforming uh, drag queen. But what I saw on display was very, very common with Mexican man machismo. Which is, she says something very telling. She says her mom was collapsed on the floor crying because her daughter had died. And she had to stand there and not shed a tear and have a very brave face. And I was like, why? And, you know... uh, And that's awful. That's awful. I've I've seen this before with the Mexican male sort of uh, attitude. You know, the kid that I mentor... He has a tragic story. He went away to... The one who took your backpack? The one who took my backpack. He went to Mexico with his girlfriend for 4th of July weekend. 
With and your when backpack? he came back with my backpack, and when he came back, he found his father dead in the apartment. Oh, well, I feel bad for razzing him for that backpack. Mm. Do you feel bad, though? I don't feel bad. No, we all have trauma. Anyway, (laughs) when I was talking to him, it was very, very strange that he had, I wouldn't say no emotion about it, but was very like, well, you know, it, it happened. And I was like, but then later on, he was emotional, but he told me that it was his job as the son not to cry. And not to feel emotion about it. And I was like, and that's a very Mexican man thing. Now, for those of you listening, I know I sound like a white guy. I look like I've been head, hit in the face with a cactus. That's how Mexican I look. Okay. <laughs> so this is not. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say that I was the Mexican one. Because I was going to be like, oof. We always get the, we, everybody mistakes me for the Mexican <laughs> they one. Always and do I'm like, actually, yeah. no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I just. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lori in 2007 was going by um Lori, I was not Lori Beaner camp. No. And uh it was very offensive. I was personally offended. I was First friend. off, that's completely wrong. I was going by Lori Bean Camp because I was opening up my own my own bean company. Well, no, what um, Lori was going by was Lori Vandekamp Beans. Because yeah. Because she was trying to pretend she was the heir to the Vandekamp fortune. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I Can look you like it, if you're like, oh, the, I know the Vandy camps. Um, they, or what about somebody whose dad like invented? Is like, it? Are you saying? Well, who's Vandercamp? Are you saying Vanderbilt? No, Vandy camp. The beans, the bean company, Vandy camp. Oh, that is a bean company. I don't. Know I am beans. a Mexican. Do not <laughs> question me on my knowledge of beans and the companies that make them. Okay. okay. Now. But imagine if, like, your dad got super wealthy, like, he made, like, that, like, a really, like, fame, like, he made the fleshlight. Can you imagine, you're like, oh, oh you're, my God. Um, uh, Dexter, you're so rich. How are you so rich? He's like, my dad, he invented the fleshlight. Yeah. I would never see my dad if he invented the fleshlight. He would just be in his room. <laughs> he wouldn't, he wouldn't even, even sell, it. sell it. Yeah. He would <laughs> just be in his room. Yeah. <laughs> He would just, I would be like, where's your father? Well, he's been in his room for 47 years. Yeah, I think he invented something. Anyway, so <laughs> what I was saying, I've seen this before, and it really explained a lot of Zavaleta's personality to me, is that she bottles it all in, and it has nowhere to go, and other than being a bitch. But the thing is, she it spells says, what, out. what's funny is, and you're right, she talks out of both sides of her mouth, where she's saying, she'll tell people, like, if someone says, uh, I had trauma, she'll be like, don't you, uh, we all had trauma, Right. But then when she's talking about herself, she asks if she's the only person that ever had trauma. Well, I, I kind of see what you're saying now because I feel like you're – I feel like she's dealing with a dichotomy. She's dealing with this very hurt child who is dealing with a lot. But then she's also dealing with all these people who've told her entire life to suck it up. Yes. And, you know, everybody has trauma. Don't yes. be a pussy. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff. So she's like – it's like – she when she goes down a very emotional road, she mm-hmm. immediately does a quick U turn, mm-hmm. and like so, she's just kind of quickly going in circles because she just can't she can't break out of the cycle mm-hmm. of you know that machismo thing. My yeah. I remember my mom distinctly. <clears throat> I had a great aunt who passed away, mm-hmm. and I was at we were at we did like the funeral service, and then we went to the burial. And the funeral, I was just sort of like sitting there and stuff. And then it didn't hit me until I got to the burial. And then I started crying. Mm-hmm. And I went up and I was like nine. 
and I went up to my mom to, to give her a hug and I was crying. And my mom, I remember my mom was distinctly saying, stop crying. You're embarrassing me. You had your time to cry at the funeral and you chose not to. What? Yeah. So my mom was like very much time and place. Like you have, there are moments when you can cry and show emotion and there are moments when you can't. Wait a minute. And what do you think of this? Oh, I, at nine years old, I was like, that's insane. <laughs> like, and this was the first funeral I'd ever been to. Yeah. So I was like, even uh, having no basis for what, and I, I remember just thinking, thinking like, and that's, I think that was like the first time I was like, my mom's nuts. Like, <laughs> there's no fucking way that that's a, that's a thing. Now, I do want to bring up a little more comfortable, uncomfortable thing. And I'm not saying that there's, you know, everyone has how much time it takes to get over something. Yes. But it does seem to put that first episode in a different light. When Zavaleta's like, the last time I was at a cemetery, I was burying my sister. And you, oh, it yeah. makes it seem like, she never said this, so she didn't lie. But the impression, uh, or the insinuation was that this just happened. Like in the past, in a very recent yeah. past. And the That's truth what we, happened, we had talked about. Yeah, yeah, that it was like, you know, a week ago or something yeah and it was years and years before this which again people never get over their trauma but again why can't she be more understanding to others now one more thing before we go to the next segment and it continues into the next segment then they go like so then they say okay well it's time for us to go home and this is something that's very weird why do they pick up all their things and leave well, it's not even like all their things. It's like some of their things. That's the weird. That's even weirder to me. Like they leave some of the stuff there, but then they like take the wig and the hats and like the gun and like stuff. And so it's like, so you got to bring that back. But some of the stuff you're leaving. Yeah, I don't. But why but not any of it at all? Like on Drag Race. Well, first of all, you don't ever see them leave on Drag Race. But if they did, they don't think they would take anything with them. That that reminds me, I totally forgot the weirdest part of the entire episode was that weird freaking rodeo that they did around the table. I was going to bring that up, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to bring that up. That was very, very strange. They did like the weird like rodeo dance around I, a table, I, like a conga. I line. wonder if like producers were making them because you could tell that some of them were into it. And then you get down the line, it's like Dolly and Hosa are just like waving their hands in the air. Like yeah. they're not even trying to do, and it's just like, and then they leave, and you're like, I wonder if they were like, you can leave, but you got a rodeo, <laughs> like we can't, we can't let you leave regular. All right, it's the next day, and the girls are back in the boudoir to finish up their outfits. The girls are silent as they put the finishing touches. This gives Mary the opportunity to suck the air out of the room. So I got to be honest, this story legitimately the way that they phased it out i was like oh god this is me i want, well, I want you I to tell see something on my typewritten i don't know if you can read this here on my typewritten page it says here mary since everyone's being really quiet tells a long ass story and then ends on the sentence a question mark is this Lori? <laughs> i literally wrote that on the page <laughs> Is this Lori? Um, yeah, that story was crazy. What's funny is Mary defends herself and she says, I feel I don't talk too much. People are talking too little. Here's the deal. Both can be true. Yes. You can be talking too much and they can be talking too little. I feel like a person who is really trying to bring up the conversation 
would not talk about themselves for a long period of time. They would notice that the room was being quiet and be like, Jade, what was it like being on Drag Race in season five? Yeah, they would ask other people questions. Yeah, they wouldn't say, oh, it's quiet. Let me tell a long story about myself. Yeah. but I agree. But I will I, well, say... Go ahead. I also think that, like... <laughs> I also think that, like, they kind of let her... I mean, look. I can't say, like... I can't blame them too much, but they kind of let her get away with it because she was like, I'm going to, it's okay if I tell a story. And I would have loved for somebody to be like, no, <laughs> like just to see what she would have done. Yeah. I mean, odds are she would have t- still told that story, but you know, it's like, just call her out saying, you know, shut up. Yeah. No, they should. Well, you know, but what, you know, here's what I will say though. I will say this though. Think about this. What would this show do without Zava and Mary? Imagine they got eliminated week at, one week after the other. That would the, sh- the show would be horribly boring. I don't know though because I think I think the other queens are are interesting. I just don't think they're as loud and energetic as mm-hmm. as Mary Cherry and La Zavaleta. Like Hoso is very interesting. Like when she talks, it's it she's funny and she's interesting. Mm-hmm. Coco is funny and interesting. I'm sad to see her go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I I don't think that there will... Be, I, I don't think it'll be as loud and there'll be as many fights. But I also don't think it'll be boring. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Lori, let's move on uh, to the next part. The monsters show their weird Wild West creations on the main stage. You know, the, the, the Boulay brothers walk in... And they introduce the judges, who are Orville Peck, who is a gay country western singer who always wears a mask. And then uh, Trixie Mattel, drag legend Trixie Mattel. Trixie Mattel does this dumb joke. I'm not even saying Trixie thought it was super funny. And they give the fakest laugh. They're like, <laughs> It was so bad. All right, let's talk about this floor, let's talk about this floor show, Lori. Uh, we'll just, we're just going to go through really quickly because it's late for us and... Uh, you, yeah. uh, you want to go, you have to go to work and go to bed. So I'm going to go through you. Just give me a one sentence thought here. Bitter Betty. Uh, I, I will say I love this, the, um, the silhouette of the gun. Mm-hmm. And I thought the overall outfit was good, but that makeup I thought was so like face painty. Yes. Like it didn't, it was yes. not, I mean, they were falling over themselves talking mm-hmm. about how they loved it. And I was like, I could do that. Well, I will say Trixie shared my opinion, which is it was the look was great, great idea, great concept, Dolly Parton from Best Little Horror House, but sci-fi. But she should have done some sort of practical, like tangible thing on her face rather than draw that you're right, face paint is a perfect example. A face painty thing she did of like whatever it was in her eye. She should have literally done some sort of like like she said, put a like a PlayStation controller or something like on of her eye, but that's exactly it. She, she should have done yes. something where it was like an actual item, not like crappy face paint. All right, Coco Kane, uh, one sentence. I I think this is the one that I actually like down the line agree with the judges. I like the face, I like everything, but I mean her silhouette and her body was the same as the other previous episodes. And yes, I, I mean, you're right. going so in, right. I was just like, yeah, she's not, she's not trying. She's not, but also, and it's, it's weird that, um, that, 
almost in the exact same way um, Saint misunderstood the assignment in a weird kind of way. They struggled with it. And so they both put farm animals in Western gear, which is very bizarre. I didn't understand how that really fit the assignment. I I mean, I kind of get it. If you're doing sci-fi, I mean, it could be like a... Uh... You know, like a mutated pig, or I actually, well, we could do Saint now. I love Saint's cost. I thought Saint should have been the top, one of the top people. I thought Saint oh, really? should have been no. in the top. Yeah, not at all. I thought Saint did really. I thought, I mean, it's the it's futuristic sci-fi. I mean, that's why I didn't understand it. It's like, is it futuristic? Is it supernatural? Is it sci-fi? Is it like what is it? What is it? And then. They didn't really explain it. So then when they were saying like, oh, this doesn't really fit it. I was like, fit what? Like, it's a future. It's a a mutated cow, a mutated pig. Like, how is that not sci-fi? I guess I didn't get it. I guess because they specifically mentioned what you'd see in the comic books. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in the comic books. I don't know. It's 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 uh, not anything I would have seen. Um, And I just I don't think it fit the challenge. Both Coco and Saint. We could we could just kill them both with one stone. You disagree with me. Zavaleta, La Zavaleta, give me your one sentence review here. I I liked it, but I didn't think it was the top. And then also I thought it was weird that it seemed like she was wearing the same teeth that Bitter Betty wore in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so the teeth really for me were the selling point. But overall, yeah, I didn't really like it. It was like to me, it would have been one of the ones that was safe. Oh, no. 100% this was the winner of the challenge. Really? Yes. It was so fantastic. It was so exactly what they wanted because, first of all, she took someone from her culture, a historical figure named Emiliano Zapata, who was a Mexican revolutionary. I mean, she nails his look, right? Then um, she gives him a sci-fi, like a, a machine gun arm and stuff like that, and sort of a half cyborg, half cowboy, but like a, a, a Mexican version of that. And uh, yeah, it was so exa- – like the judges actually nailed it. They even saw something that I didn't see, which Dolly's next. Do you want to give Dolly your, your thoughts on Dolly and I'll go on? I thought Dolly should have won. I thought Dali did such an amazing job. I thought it looked awesome. Her character work is great. I mean, honestly, I thought she should have won. Um, I could see an argument for that. Dali was also fantastic, but they really nailed it when they said that they looked like they were from the same universe and that they were enemies. You know, like and and it, that's exactly right. One of them look, they just looked like they were from the same comic book. It almost looked like they like consulted with each other, and they really really got the challenge. I think they really both nailed it. Uh, Sigourney Beaver, your thoughts on that one? So boring. I don't, I didn't understand why she was even in the top. Like she, she had two costume changes. What in drag lore now, why is that still a crazy thing? Yeah. Like costume changes are, I mean, that's fi- It's like, okay, great. You figured mm-hmm. it out, but it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, it, Oh wow. It's like, they've never seen a drag. They've never seen drag race before. Mm-hmm. You had two two dresses in there? How'd yeah. you do that? You know, it's just like, okay. Here's I thought the, it was so boring. Here's the deal. She looked great, right? Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. fine. I don't see how it fit the challenge. No. That could have been a Dallas Cowboys challenge. It could have been a... Like, it could have been any... Like, 
She was just painted a, a Las blue. Vegas, it was like a, like an American suit, Western suit, like with an American flag on it, and then like a gold glitter. Like if you did a Dallas Cowgirls challenge, you could totally wear that exact same outfit. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I thought she should have been I the did, yeah, I Yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if she was. Uh, Jay Jolie, uh, your thoughts on this one? So I feel like Jade is more and more relying on props to sell her outfit. And this, to me, really cinched it. Where I think if you took away that alien head, she would not have... Her her outfit would not have even looked good. Like, the fact that she had that alien head on a stick, to me, really sold that outfit. But she should have been in the bottom. I don't understand why she was safe. Uh... I would even go farther. I think she should have totally been the bottom. It was not even Western at all. The only thing no. was Western was she put a cowboy hat on an alien. Like, it was literally just, a, like, a recycled, like, futuristic look that she had. And then she put a cowboy hat on an alien head. Like, I think she totally was lazy about this challenge. It was... She should have 100% been in the bottom. Um, uh, Mary Cherry... Horrible. Awesome. I thought Mary Cherry should have gone home. I mean, mm-hmm. she put like what looked like charcoal on her face to represent one eye, and it was just the worst, worst makeup I've ever seen somebody do. And I don't understand why she, why she was a lot applauded for that. She should not have been safe. I no. mean, in no way, shape, or form. It, it didn't to me. It confused me even more because I was like, when I saw that, I thought, oh well, she's for sure going home. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, you did it. You know, it was good. And I was like, how did it fit the challenge? No. Just because she put on a Mae West outfit. Which, by the way, I don't even know that Mae West was particularly a Western-themed character. I've seen a bunch of Mae West's most famous films, and they all took place in like the 20s and 30s. Maybe there's one she did with yeah. Western. Oh, you know, I think the one she did with W.C. Fields was. But, you know... um, yeah, it was uh, it was very very strange. It was it, I didn't like it. To me, it looked like Shrek in a Mae West outfit. Also, uh, calling back to the her boudoir where she's doing a Mae West accent, mm-hmm. she sounds more manly when she does Mae West than she does when she's a, she's like, "Why don't you guys come by and see me sometime?" No, you see, you did the quote too right. She says she doesn't say it right. She's like, "Why don't you come up and see me sometime?" She says. Hey, fellas, why don't you come around and hang out? Like, she doesn't, she messes the thing up. It's really weird. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Hosa Teratoma, your thoughts on her, Lori? I thought she looked great. I thought she should have been the top. I thought it was like, I, see, I for, I was like, if this is a sci-fi futuristic thing, then this is, this is what it is. It's a mutated cactus. It's got guns. It's got everything. Her face was totally different than her regular face. I mean, she did, she, Truly an artist with her makeup. She did what Mary Cherry wished she could have done. Okay, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. I feel the same way about this outfit that I do about Jade's outfit, but the other side. Is that really? she had on... She looked great, by the way. I don't, I don't disagree she looked great, okay? She looked fantastic. But what I'm saying, though, is... All she did was take an existing costume that she had and then put on green chaps. Like that to me, that's not really uh, living up. You could argue that about anybody, though. You could argue that about uh, about uh, uh, La Zavaleta. That La Zavaleta took an outfit that she already has and put teeth and a mustache on. No, I because I feel like she really did. 
take the character character of Emiliano Zapata and like give it a weird sci-fi edge. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, all right. On the main stage, J. Jolie, Mary Cherry, and Hoso Teratoma are safe, but asked... Look, in my opinion, I'm going to say this. There were two people on the top, Dolly and La Zavaleta. Everybody else was on the bottom. Uh, on the main stage, Jerry, J. Jolie, Mary Cherry, and Hoso Teratoma are safe, but asked to remain on the stage. During Judgment, La Zavaleta is named the winner of the challenge, while Saint and Coco Kane are placed in the extermination. But there's a twist. All the monsters will be made to participate in the extermination challenge, which is riding... A mechanical hell bull. Uh, let's stop there for a second. Did you have any thoughts on the judges panel? Well, I just want to say one more thing about the looks, about mm-hmm. the stage show. Yeah. I love the silhouette, but if whoever worked the 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 fog machine, we get it. You know, like it. Uh, that was too much fog. I think you could even see La Zavaleta choking to death. Right before her her show, right, but like she was like coughing because there's so much smoke and fog, and it ruined like a couple of the silhouettes that they were trying to go for. So whoever's running the fog machine, calm it down. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, as far as the judging goes, um, I I think that if they're gonna put everybody up for the extermination challenge then they need to put everybody up for extermination yeah so well, if they're gonna have like they could have yeah. they could have easily done yeah. they could have said only the only people not doing it are Zavaleta and Dolly like they should have done that that's my opinion I don't think I think they did it such a weird way where they said oh well you guys are doing the challenge but it's Coco and Saint who are gonna get who are possibly gonna get exterminated it's like no if they have to do the challenge then everybody should have to if it's yeah, Dolly and La Zabaleta are safe are not in elimination. Everybody else, you're up for extermination. And that's how they should have done it. Um The way Trixie was talking to Sigourney, I was like, this is very familiar the way they're talking. And I think I wouldn't be surprised they know each other because Trixie's from Chicago and Sigourney's from Chicago. I got the impression that they knew each other already. Also, Lori, to go with why I think Zavaleta won. I think, you notice Swan was particularly taken with Zala Zavala's outfit. And I think, I have no evidence of this. This is just purely being Mexican and knowing Southern California Mexican accents, if that's where she's from. I think, I get the impression that um, Swan is a very white-passing Latinx person. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I thought this for a while. Um, and so uh, that's what's going on there. Uh, all right, Laura, any other thoughts on the judges panel? No, I mean, I didn't really feel like, um, the judges really, like, they kind of were like, oh, we got to talk to, we got to talk to Jay Jolie. And I don't think they did that. I don't think they really talked <laughs> they to really her. Didn't. They didn't. Like, yeah. But like, they didn't talk to her at all. Yeah. Um, all right. Back in the boudoir, Betty doesn't know if she was in the top or the bottom. Mary's inspired by Hoso, Dolly, and Coco. Zavala picks a fight with Mary and Jade. Meanwhile, Saint is upset that she has to face off against Coco. Your thoughts on everything, all the drama that happened backstage? Uh, I thought it was hilarious. I loved, I loved that Betty was like, am I in the top or the bottom? Like, yeah. she just was, I thought that was funny. And then, uh, which is true. I mean, it is a little confusing. You know, mm-hmm. the, but they did it. Um, 
I also love how there was like a genuine moment where they were all talking and they were all talking about it and they were like, seems really supportive. And Mary Chair's like, I think, I, you know, I, you said you want to do more painted body painting. She's like, yeah. And they did that. And then Lazavaletta's like, well, I got to piss on this fun, fun, fun time. She's like, yeah, so you could run out of time. And Mary Chair's like, what? And she goes, you know, because you're always at it, you're not organized and you always run out of time. And that's when I was like, oh, this is my parents. These are my parents. They're my, you know, that's my, La Zavala is my mom. Uh-huh. She can't, for the life of her, see a, a precious moment go by without shitting on it. Yeah. And so it's just like, yeah, no, the, <laughs> just, that's it's so, so funny because I hate both of them so much. And I was like, this is like watching Republicans fight. Yeah, it's like watching QAnon. Yes. And then also like conservative Republicans fight. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like fighting whether it's going to be JFK or JFK Jr. That appears at Dealey Plaza. Um, Saint and Coco have a very emotional conversation. Laura, I got the impression that you had something to say about that. <laughs> I thought it was very sweet. I did think it was a little shitty that Mary Cherry decided to, to chime in. <laughs> and make it about herself. And make it about herself. Um, I don't. I didn't get the sense that they were talking about race, though. No, I don't think I f- they were. I felt like they were talking about, like, the connection they felt. Like, I felt like maybe there was, like, a more like a romantic or... Oh, really? Something. Yeah. I felt like there was, like, a connection there. I felt... That's what I thought in that moment. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But I felt in that moment that they were, like, you know... Saint was just, like, you know, I... I mean, God love Saint. I felt so bad for her, but at the same time, I could not stop laughing. She's in that cow outfit and she's just crying. <laughs> just yeah. like, oh my God, I couldn't stop laughing. Um, but she's just pouring her heart out and I just felt so bad for her. Uh, she just, so I, yeah, I think that she truly was like, I met somebody that I felt a real connection to and now it might be taken away. And it's true. It's like, you know, it does. It, it does suck when you're up against with your friend because it's like mm-hmm. you want to stay, but you also want your friend to stay. So yeah. it's a, it's a real catch 22. Um, I, it's funny because I thought also there was a weird implicit understanding that Coco was the one going home. <laughs> like everybody knew like, Oh, well it's going to be Coco. Yeah. I think even Coco knew she was going yeah. home because she was like, yeah, I think I just tried my best, but my best is just not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think you tried your best. I did my best, but I <laughs> guess my best wasn't good enough. A dress like a, a fucking pig. People thought I was Kelly. They thought I was Kelly Clarkson. No, nobody thought you were Kelly Clarkson. Not even for I a told second. them no. I'm on a show called Dragula FM. Coco. FM? I don't know. I didn't think about to say to finish that later. All right. Um, all right. During the extermination challenge, each monster mounts the hell bull and tries to hold on for as long as they can. Later that night, the Boulets are having dinner and trying to make up with Israel. The camera zooms out and we see Coco Kane has been spit roasted by the Boulets. Lori, any final thoughts on the episode, on the little tag at the end there? I will say that ending where you see Co- uh, Coco on the Spitfire, that was truly terrifying. I thought they did a great job with that. So I really like that mm-hmm. um, ending. So, yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I again, it wasn't a boring episode. I just mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't understand 
some parts of it. But, you know, I mean, I don't think every episode I'm going to understand because yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like, you know, hanging out in the, in that crowd. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm like, oh, I, I know exactly what references they're referring to. So. Yeah. No, I thought it was a fine, perfectly serviceable episode. I thought it was a good job. Yes. All right, Laurie, it's time for a seance. We're just going to play some messages really quick. Okay. I got some messages from the beyond. I don't know if they require a lot of uh, discussion. Here we go. Hello, Laurie and Joe. This is Rob from Tennessee. And I was just wondering if anyone has brought it to your attention that the opening sketch from episode one, season three of Dracula is likely an homage to the opening scene from Halloween four return of Michael Myers or some shit. Um, yeah, I'm still listening to the podcast. I'm behind a few episodes. So oh, potentially someone has told you this. Yeah. I don't think but. you're behind a, a lot of episodes. All right, let's go to the, let's go to another one. This is from Steven. Tell me if this voice sounds familiar, Lori. It's from Steven universe. Here we go. Huh? Hello, Laurie and Joe. This is Rob from Tennessee. I'm not sure if anybody's brought this to your attention, but episode one of season three was likely an homage to Halloween, Return of Michael Mars or some shit. Anyway, no, that's just a joke. Um, in the latest episodes, episode three of season four of Hello, uh, of Dragula, um, something doesn't add up about La Savaleta's uh, story, because didn't in episode one she talk about how she just recently bar- um, buried her sister and that's why she couldn't do the um, coffin challenge. But in this episode, she was talking about how um, she was apparently 13 and had to look after her nephew or niece or something. I don't know. Something just uh, doesn't add up and it seems like she's just doing it for camera time. Anyway, bye. Shitty. Yeah, I can see where you're go- what, why you would think that because we were thinking the same thing that it seemed she made it seem like it but she did say like last time I went to a, a cemetery but she also talked about how that she had said something about how like she was talking to Astrid or something she's like you gotta buck up because you're young and life's gonna get harder and it's like so you're clearly older than Astrid or you're clearly older than 21 or 24 or however old that person was and so this was 13 so you've been you know you're revolving around this for which is it's traumatic so i'm not trying to be bitchy about it but yeah i think she it's with la zavaleta everything that's ever happened to her is subject to be used for something that she's upset about all right very good that's it that's it I wish I wish somebody would tell us what that season one opener was about, though. I just feel like we never we don't know what it's about, you know. Yeah. Like, what's it an homage to? I don't know. Is it an not. homage to anything? I don't know. I don't know, Lori. All right, well, Lori, let's call it a day there. Uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of Hello Uglies. This episode was produced by Zach Birch. Be sure to join us next weekend every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of Dracula Season Four. So, for Lori Rockingcamp and myself, goodbye, Uglies. <laughs> Thank you 
for listening to Hello Uglies. Have something to say? Email us at helloUglies at afterthought.media. You can also leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash afterthoughtmedia. For more LGBTQ content, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia. Lori has another podcast. It's called Bloody Podcast, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Lori Roggenkamp on Instagram at Lori U Liar. That's L A U R I, the letter U L I A R. Follow Joe Batanz on Instagram and Twitter at Joe Batanz. That's J O E B E T A N C E. Hello, Uglies is an afterthought media podcast.